Hi, this is Jennifer Gaskin. And this is Giselle Rivera Flores. And this is Don't Don't Touch Touch My My Podcast. Podcast. The show where we delve into the complexities of diversity, inclusivity, and what it means to be a Latin and Black woman in America. We are excited to announce our corporate collaboration with the Hanover Theater and Conservatory in Worcester, Mass. for season two of Don't Touch My Podcast. We are partnering with the Hanover Theater to amplify the local creative community and bridge the gap between the BIPOC communities to create equitable access and participation. Welcome to season two, episode four. Today's topic on Don't Touch My Podcast is the economics of colonization. We're going to start today with a quote. How can I tell a story we already know? Her name was Africa. His name was France. He colonized her, exploited her, silenced her, and even decades after it was supposed to have ended, still acted with a high hand in resolving her affairs in places like the Ivory Coast, a name she had been given because of her export products, not her own identity. Her name was Asia. He was Europe. Her name was Silence. His name was Power. Her name was poverty. His was wealth. Her name was her. But what was hers? His name was his. And he presumed everything was his, including her. And he thought he could take her without asking and without consequences. It was a very old story, though its outcome had been changing a little in recent decades. And this time around, the consequences are shaking a lot of foundations, all of which clearly needed shaking. Who would ever write a fable as obvious, as heavy-handed as the story we have been given? His name was privilege, but hers was possibility. His was the same old story, but hers was a new one about the possibility of changing a story that remains unfinished. That includes all of us. That matters so much that we will watch, but also make and tell in the weeks, months, years, and decades to come. That was written by Rebecca Solnit, and it's from Men Explain Things to Me. At the height of its reign, the UK held about 25% of the Earth's surface as part of its empire. During the last episode, we talked about how once a week, a country celebrates their independence from the UK. The U.S. has had up to 14 U.S. territories, including Liberia, which was created by enslaved people who repatriated to Africa for freedom, but yet was continued to be held as a U.S. territory. Puerto Rico is the poorest state in the United States, with 45% living below the poverty line. Puerto Rico has been in an economic depression for more than 16 years, following the expiration of a U.S. tax code that allowed companies tax breaks for doing business in Puerto Rico. Most of Puerto Rico's financial woes are directly the result of federal regulations that have expired, been repealed, or no longer apply to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico has been unable to become self-sufficient. Under Spaniard rule, the population of Teanos was exploited as enslaved people, and the island's natural resources were stripped for the Spanish gain. Because it is a U.S. territory, it is now also restricted in how it can trade and operate with other countries. 
So Giselle, you've written about in your Substack about the story of Puerto Rico, and I know that your family originates from Puerto Rico. So from your personal perspective, how do you think about how colonization has impacted the island? Because we can't even say it country because it's a territory of the United States has impacted the island. And how do you see that in the lives of the people today? For one, it makes me really angry. You think about the islands that are occupied by the U.S. and you instantly think of like these islands that are flourishing and they must be doing really well. And they just have everything that they need there and they're growing off the land. And it's not the case. I referenced that last time when I went last year to visit Puerto Rico that Puerto Rico is a disaster. Like, it's physically a disaster. The palmas, like the palm trees are dry. The soil doesn't even look like it's fertile. Everything just looks dried up and used. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like name Puerto Rico alone is a rich port. And that's what we were known for, was for our resources. And right now, it's barely hanging on by a thread. And you're right, it is because of, you know, colonialism. It's an actual economic impact directly driven by colonialism. Like you mentioned some of the key points. Since the pandemic alone, we've dropped, I think it was like by 15 or 16 percent in economic growth. Wow. For a small island, that's insane. Let You're taking us from 2022 back to 96. Do you know what I mean? Then we can't trade. So we have, we can't trade with, we can't borrow or trade on the global market. So it leaves us in limbo land. We're constantly relying on our colonizer to help us, yet the colonizer doesn't want anything to do with us. We need to really restructure how our debts are because the reasons why, one of the reasons why our economic crisis is the way it is because it's rooted in our legislation that encouraged Puerto Rico to its reliance on debt to fill federal funding gap. So we became this container to fill this funding gap and we just continued to carry on debt upon debt with literally no return. So at one point it meant that we were giving bond investors higher returns and losing and loosening like the borrowing limits. So they could just take as much as they want, get a higher return, and then we were caught with all of the debt. Wow. Okay. And that's been happening since forever. That's insane. Yeah, it is insane. And even since 1917, lenders have gone to Puerto Rico because they're exempt from local, state, and federal taxes. So it's considered this, and I might mess it up, but it's a triple tax exemption, which allows you to not pay local, state, or federal taxes by borrowing from here from the island wow um, since 1917 wow it's i mean what struck me when i was doing the research is that they acknowledged that the island has been in a depression for 16 years like how is that like how is that allowed to continue on and how does the united states not hold some accountability and responsibility for fixing it Yeah, they should be holding the entire accountability falls in the hands of the U.S. right Right. now. And they don't even acknowledge it. I've been just complaining about this because, again, my perception of Puerto Rico, my perception of the stories my grandmother would tell me or my mom who was born on the island and then moved to New York. Like those stories were of like an island that was like somewhat prosperous. But now as a grown up, those could have been very well like in that bubble 
it was okay. But outside that bubble, it was not because I have a cousin that went to University of Puerto Rico and he is a architect. He lives here in the mainland. And he said he's, I would never go back to Puerto Rico until Puerto Rico gets an entire rehaul, like government structure. We become our own country. Mm-hmm. Never going to get out of it. Because why? Because why? We still have damage. I know we talked about this a little bit last time. We still have damage from Maria, which was we had damage from before that. Then right. Maria exasperated those damages. Then we have Fiona. And it's just it continues. And at no given point is this, the U.S. saying, you know, they're, what? they're not. They honestly can act we like dedicate a week to Puerto Rico right. to figure out what we need to do there? Like, I don't even think they take responsibility for not Rico at all, at all no. um, even though they take full charge of taking whatever resources and financial gain comes out of it. I don't think that they take responsibility in particular for the people. Yeah. Again. If you're American mainland business, you can go to Puerto Rico and operate tax-free. They were talking about Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny was the reggaeton artist was all over the place. And they were like, oh, he's taking, he's utilizing these tax breaks from the island. And I was like, I'm sorry, he's from the island. Right, so, so he should get it. people from the he island should get it. <laughs> are utilizing a tax break right. that you are it. giving to non-island residents, why shouldn't he receive it? Right. A thousand percent. I'm for that. You're not. This isn't about, oh, he's part of the problem. No, the problem is that these systems already exist. Now you're going to use one of our own people that are using your system. against. But that's funny because now we want to penalize him because he's a brown person. But every other man, everybody else is doing it. A brown guy. Cut it out. How dare you do that? Right. What are you doing that doing (laughs) brown guy when it was actually supposed to help people that come from the island, which you do. But we don't want you to benefit from it, brown guy. Right. Thousand percent. And I mean, they were bad naming him. And I was just like blown away because I said only here in America on the mainland, I say, can we be so hypocritical to allow something to happen? And when it happens to then demean someone that could utilize that Who standard, should, should be entitled to it because they're a resident. They have lived there their entire life. Now you all of a sudden, now we're saying, like, this is a problem. It wasn't a problem since 1917. I have a stat here. The 2008 global financial crisis uh, that we had, which was our right. housing crisis. Um, you mean the one that Obama corrected that they never give him credit for? That one? Yeah. Oh, Shout okay. out to Obama. Yes. Shout out one. Obama. President Obama. Because they always talk about, <laughs> what did Obama do when he was in president? Yeah, he kept us from being in the Great Depression. Carry on. <laughs> so that one, in 2008, the financial crisis hit Puerto Rico as well. But it hit hard because the Recession furthered like uh, the tax revenue. And so soaring onto the early 2000s, construction booms, and then giving investors a massive pause, which meant that investors didn't have to pay back anything. Oh my. And they were still building on the island, and the island was not reaping anything mm-hmm. from that time. Um, Why don't we just give you guys your independence? Why don't we start? Right. There? Every time it goes up, Congress denies it. It's Wait, been- why? When you guys don't even want to take care of the island anyways, let them be their own. Yeah, I say the same thing. If the people, for me, it's all about if the people are saying that they want something, right. who let are them, you to say right. that let them. they can't have that? Because you know what? They don't want to lose control. It's all about control. And ultimately, it's all about economics, right? Which is what we're talking about here is the economics of colonialism. They want to continue to reap the benefits of You guys working, essentially. Mm -hmm. They want to reap the benefits of the land, of the resources that are on the island, but they don't want to take care of the people that are on the island. And that's on point because it even says in the quote that I was reading, it says that 
the 2008 financial crisis included layoffs of public workers. Of course. So it wasn't like the private right. workers were of impacted. Course. Construction continued. But if you were part of the island and you were a public worker, you were laid off. So that sent unemployment like through the roof for the island. And then on top of that, to deal with and balance the budget, that included allowing government agencies to borrow from one another to pay back these bonds because they were on a massive pause. My I gosh. think of, of the pandemic and we had these memorandums that said, hey, if you're not in a situation where you have income because you can't go to work because of the pandemic, then you know, we're going to put a pause. And my first right, thought was Right, but then at the like, end, how do you pay it? Then? At the yeah. end, how do you pay that? I'm like, we're going to have a serious housing crisis which we already do and it's gonna be just right because people are gonna be out on the street yeah because in a year how do you make up a year's worth of rent if you can't pay one month exactly and we had so we the the area that we live in is like an apartment complex towards the end of it and for the past year there's a guy that lives in the back of his suv that's terrible. And he has a full-on mattress in the back. Like, because during the summer, a lot of times he'd have it open and be sitting just outside his car. I'd guess to say that he's of Latin descent. And he's been out there for at least a year. And it's about to be cold again. And I just remember driving by and saying to my husband, he's going to be out there for another winter? Yeah, how do you survive? Right. How do you survive? It really is all about, and this is going to sound corny, and I I know it's going to sound almost like tone deaf to some people, but it really is all about paying attention politically and paying attention to policies that are created that impact us. The housing memorandum came in, and I think that was necessary. No, it in was the necessary moment, at the but time. But there was no, there was nothing after that was like, hey, they didn't we think know. that through, and then they gave people six hundred dollars. That was supposed to, that wasn't even covered. Don't get me some started people, with that because so people that were like, oh my e- god, they're gonna go on vacation with their six hundred dollars. No, because that wasn't even covering some people's overdraft. Right. Okay. Oh, did you see, I almost said Obama. Did you see Biden got rid of overdraft fees and all of these additional surcharges? Seriously? Mm-hmm. About time, because I'm tired of paying Bank of That's America of the- $35. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk quickly about Haiti, because I, to me, like Haiti as the first black nation in the Western Hemisphere really is a place that we really see all of the tools of oppression and colonialism, like, manifest right in in what happens like they can't even have a stable government because Mm -hmm. there's so many external forces that are in that and messing with it and messing with resources and have created such a corrupt Mm -hmm. environment on the island that like they literally cannot govern themselves out of what colonialism has done to them and i think the thing that bothers me the most about haiti's story is that Haiti fought for their independence. Haiti fought and beat the French and took the island back, right? And Haiti then said, now you have to pay all the former French slave owners, slave masters for their quote unquote loss of property, which is actually you as a human being. You're now paying for your freedom when I already kicked your butt for my freedom, why do I need to pay you now? And so the charge was they were forced to pay 112 million francs to the French in 1825 for their independence. And so that debt saddled Haiti for decades. 
and has created the unstable government, unstable economic structure. All of this basically was done to Haiti by their colonizers. Mm -hmm. Like if there's not a better example of what colonization does to a country and to its people, that that's it, right? Yeah, and like we keep saying, these are lasting impacts. Puerto Rico was taken from Spain in a deal given to the U.S., and here we are in 2022 having the same conversations that, hey, we can't do this. Hi, Puerto Rico here. <laughs> we can't trade in the global market. Oh, hi again. We have right, no still, electricity. Still. Sorry, can someone help me? Even the entire electricity issue right now, that entire thing is caught up in corruption. And because it has been basically proposed over and given to a mainland thing company, colonization was. It's a business deal, right? It, it's not about the people. You're not going there to be a humanitarian. You're going there to, to reap what you can, take it back to your mainland or wherever you came from, or exploit it and then take it as your own. And that's a lasting impact we're seeing it now that people are blown away they're like oh puerto rico should just become its own if they wanted to (laughs) i'm sure if they were able to they would have done that right it's like Like, it's not like they're not it's a bizarre conversation it's almost like saying oh you're you're slave you should leave yeah just leave just why don't you why are you sitting there just leave (laughs) why don't you like it here what i think we tried there's the door and then they would catch (laughs) us and beat us and whatever i also want to make sure that we talk about the commonwealth because this came up um specifically recently when queen elizabeth ii passed away and i remember seeing on instagram there was like this post and it was like oh king charles is now the king of jamaica and i remember people coming under the what do you mean we're independent okay you're like big pause (laughs) yeah let me pause y'all for a second jamaica as well as the majority of the caribbean islands that were under british rule at one point are all part of the commonwealth also, Canada is still part of the Commonwealth. That's why they have a prime minister instead of a president, because technically the head of state for all of these countries is the crown, right? At that time, Queen Elizabeth, now King Charles. So any of the countries that remain in the Commonwealth, their head of state is the crown. Yes, you have a prime minister. Yes, you are technically an independent, sovereign country, But at the end of the day, you still fall under the crown. You still fall under, and I'm going to just say it straight out as what it is, you still fall under white supremacy. Because what is the British crown other than a a freaking celebration (laughs) of white supremacy? And there were countries that actually became independent and rejected membership in the Commonwealth which like Burma, which was, which is, what do you call it? Myanmar, Ireland, South Africa declined it, but then came back. Pakistan declined it and then came back. But Barbados, I want to say in the past two or three years, he left the Commonwealth and now have their first black woman president, which honestly, she is badass. If you haven't looked her up, look her up. She's badass. And she comes out and she says it straight how it is. And she's really for the betterment of Barbados as a nation, not the guidance or the tutelage of the crown. So I think that's like important. 
But I think we touched on, we've touched on this a number of times when I talk about the country that I descend from, which is Grenada and the Caribbean. Like I shared with you guys last time, we always have, UK is meddling in our business. The United States is meddling in our business. Why? Because we still sit under the crown. We really aren't able to push forward our own initiatives and push forward the empowerment of our own people and really the empowerment of our country independently because we still sit under this crown. If you look at every single one of the Caribbean countries, they're all struggling. Like we're all struggling. Puerto Rico, you're struggling mm -hmm. under the United States. All of us are struggling under the crown, under UK. Trinidad has been in a recession for probably the past 10 years is a huge disparity in wealth in, in Trinidad, where most of the wealth is centered around uh, people who are not of black descent when the po main population of the island yeah. is people of black descent. But the, the wealth is not in their communities. The wealth are in other communities on the island. And the black and brown people are struggling on the island. And that's literally the same story Every single island that you go to, like I said, Puerto Rico, even though you guys are under U.S. rule, it's the same thing. Haiti's trying to go it alone and they're getting kicked up and beat down every turn of the way. And it's this is the legacy of colonialism. And we can't even pick ourselves up and come out of it and become you know, self-sufficient, economically empowered people. The people on the islands, what do they do? They come here to the United States. In the case of Puerto Rico, is coming to the mainland as U.S. citizens. In the case of the Caribbean, we're, we're immigrating to the United States to try to make money and try to build a foundation and create a better life for our families and our children and the generations to come. That's why we're coming here. We're, we're not coming, coming here to take. And we're coming here because they've already come to our land right. to make it so unlivable that now we have to leave our homes and go to somewhere go else. somewhere else because we now can't live in our own homes. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's, and the conversation, it's not by choice. It's almost like it's forced upon exactly. you to come to the States because right. you can either live there in squalor and try to make the best of it or you can really do the best of it and come to your main states. But I'm like, that to me is, talk about trauma. Like, I now I have to leave my homeland that I've known all my life to go somewhere where my actual oppressor rules the land. Well, even like in the case of Grenada, we had paratroopers landing on the beach coming from America. That's what we're seeing from America. Mm -hmm. and then you say, oh, go to America? What? Yep. What? My, my grandfather fought. He was in the army. Right here, he came here, worked on the Panama Canal, came here from the Panama Canal to work here, enlisted in the army. That's what black men did at that time. You enlist in the army. That's how you're going to make money, right? So they go, he goes to the army, he goes wherever he goes in that, and then leaves, goes back to his home, and he gets detained when the United States comes to his island. Yes, okay, can we say that colonialism, when they came to the different countries and maybe they brought some technology, maybe they brought infrastructure, maybe they bought trains or whatever they brought. Whatever they brought was for them to prosper. It was never for the people that were there. And so colonial, this is another quote, colonialism, the enforced spread of rule, the rule of reason, but who is going to spread it among the colonizers? And that's a, a quote by Anthony Burgess. And basically what he's saying in that quote is, you guys came 
to these places saying that you're bringing reason, you're bringing, you're trying to bring forward this culture, but actually you, you arrived and you were ignorant. And who's going to educate you when you're the one spreading the bullshit? Basically, <laughs> right. So you arrived showing up thinking that you were teaching us something and you arrived and you showed up ignorant. And we see it throughout every, you can take every single um, component of life and give a context to how colonialism changed that. But this is Don't, Don't Touch, Touch My, My podcast. podcast. This is season two, episode four. Thank you for joining us. Colonialism sucks. Word up. <laughs> Talk to you next week. Broadway is back this fall at the Hanover Theater and Conservatory. It kicks off with Mean Girls Musical on October 11th through October 16th. The Hanover Theater and Conservatory for the Performing Arts serves as a center of culture, education, and community. It also symbolizes the rebirth of the city. More information on the Hanover Theater can be found at thehanovertheater.org. Tickets can also be purchased there.